everyone and welcome to our book club. Today we are joined by Jay. I think Jay needs very little introduction. She's written over 21 books. Uh thank you for joining us today. I'd like to start by talking about your latest book, The Wrong Number Right Woman. Mm-hmm. I've read today that it just won a Elite Gold Award. So can you tell us a little bit about the book and what inspired you to write it? Mm-hmm. I always call it my anti-corona, anti-pandemic <laughs> novel um because I was just starting to write it when the pandemic and the lockdowns hit us and I felt like okay I need something that cheers me up every day and where there's not so much drama and and everything is positive and um so this is really like a feel good novel and it's it's about Danny and she's a shy butch character who is having like a normal modest life she's a cashier and she helps um raise her niece and um yeah she's too shy to really um um talk to women um and one day she gets an accidental text message from um a woman who is 10 years uh, younger than she is and much more outgoing and witty and pretty much her exact opposite and um yeah they instead of just saying oh sorry you have the wrong number they kind of start talking and they have this instant connection um and the problem is just that Eliza thinks um that she's straight it it was based on a tweet i had seen like a few months earlier and then forgotten about it um there was this young woman i think in the us who um took a picture of herself um in her i think a prom dress and she was buying or looking for a prom dress um and she sent the photo to she thought her best friend and wanted her opinion on the dress and she had the wrong number and sent it to a complete stranger um who texted back and it was just like a cute feel good story um because he and his his like five kids texted back and were all like yes this is the dress <laughs> lovely and i thought yeah um if something like that happens just with two women who fall in love that would be like a really fun idea so that was the the i combined the this text i had seen um on twitter with this okay i need something that makes me and my readers feel good and congratulations on the award actually i should have said that earlier so you must be Thank really you. proud that's a very cute uh, story uh and So will we see again uh, those two character because uh often sh- your book are interconnected. Mm-hmm. How do you keep track of that? <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I I love um having characters who had their book in the past um whose book I've already written and then I want to know okay how how are they doing like maybe a year later are they still happy with each other and maybe what's become of their professional life or have they moved in with each other or what what's going on so and i know my readers love that too checking in with old friends um and so for danny and eliza there's a there's a free short story that takes place after the book so for everyone who has read from number right woman they can go on my website and there's in the menu is a tab called a uh, free books and one of the free books is an anthology um where I think eight of the Ilva authors have a free story in there and it's called Climpses because it gives us climpses into the lives of of characters from some of our most popular books. 
and one of the short stories is about Danny and Eliza. And they will also have an appearance in the book um, I just finished writing, um, Chemistry Lessons. They, they are um, friends with the main couple of the new book. Oh, did you want me to say something about the second part of your question about how I keep track? Yes. Um, I, I don't have a very good memory, so I need to write everything down. Um, and I work in a software called Scrivener, um, where I create character profiles so that I don't forget, okay, were her eyes green or blue or how tall is she and um, where do her parents live? And so if I go back years later and I write a sequel or a short story for a character from an older book, I can look it up. Uh, how many manuscripts do you write each year? Um, it depends on, on how long the manuscript is and um, what else is going on. Um, it's usually one or two. Um, this year it's probably only going to be the one novel and maybe a short story um, because I also translate my own books into German and that also takes up part of my time. Do you do the translation yourself? Mm -hmm. I think I'm, I'm a little bit um, possessive when it comes to my writing and it's pretty hard to hand it over and if it's, I mean, it's my native language. Um, so I feel like, okay, I think the best translator would be me. If it's a language I don't speak, okay, then someone else can do it. But um, for, for my German books, um, I, I like doing it myself. Do you have to change the nuances when you're, when you're translating because they don't come yeah. across if you did a literal translation? Yeah, um, I think the best translation is, is always the one that doesn't stick too closely to the words because, for example, in my books, a lot of the... I like writing dialogue that is like the characters banter back and forth or they tease each other and it's it's witty and humor in particular is often based on wordplay um, or on, on cultural um, concepts and um, let, let's say something like oh she's family in English means oh she's gay but if you say that in German it doesn't work because it doesn't have that double meaning so if a character says something like that, you have to translate it completely um, different to make the same joke um, or to achieve the same emotional um, effect. You can't just translate the words directly. You have to think, okay, what did the author mean with that? And then have to translate the meaning. And since I'm the author, I know what I meant and what effect I wanted to achieve. And that's why I think that I'm the best translator for my own work, not because like my language skills are superior to any um, translator. We have fantastic translators, but no one knows my characters and what effect I was trying to achieve as, as well as I do. So do you plan to do translation in other language like uh, French, Italian or Spanish? Um, we I've had one book translated into Italian, Departure from the Script. Um, I can't tell you the title, I don't speak Italian. Um, um, and uh, I have one book, um, Under a Falling Star, that was translated in French by a French publisher who bought a license from Ilva. They did a great job with it. Translations are very expensive because you don't just have to um, pay the translator and, and pay the person really fairly because it's a lot of work. You also have to pay um, an editor or at least an editor and a proofreader. So um, for the, the for some languages, the market is just not big enough to 
to even recover the costs. So um, we're not planning a lot of translations, but I have a, a book, at least one in, in French and one um, in, in Italian, and I'm very happy about that. When you do your audiobooks, do you get a say in who the narrator is? Um, yeah, at least I can say, oh no, I don't want her. <laughs> um, I can say, I want Epi Graydon or I want Angela Daw, um, but um, a lot of the time they are busy and so um, we have to see who else is available, but um, I can say who I want and then it depends if I get her or not. Yeah. Do you have a favorite character? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like asking a parent her favorite uh, child is. Um, uh, I have a lot of favorites um, and it, ch it changes over time. Like if I just finish working on a book, then I might still feel like, like Benny from Wrong Number, Right Woman is really like a sweetheart or Luke from Backwards to Oregon. And I know um, Luke is also a favorite for many of my readers. Um, yeah, or, or Holly um, from, from Perfect Rhythm. Um, yeah, so I can't just narrow it down for one. If I have like five, that's already narrowed <laughs> down because I have 21 books, so 42 yeah. characters. So I'll ask a sl slightly easier version of that question. Is there, a, <laughs> is there a book you've really enjoyed writing and it's always stayed with you? I enjoyed writing all of them or I wouldn't have written them. Um, I don't believe in writing something that I'm not passionate about because it takes me like at least like six months um, to research, to write, to edit and... I don't want to work on something for six months that I don't enjoy. Um, yeah, so I, I'm kind of, I have some maybe that I'm not quite as close um, as with others and, and some that I, I bonded even more. Um, but um, if I go back and reread one of my books, it's always like, like, like there was a pandemic and you haven't seen friends for a long time uh. and then you you go back and you meet them again and it's always like a really good feeling yeah we feel the same as well when we read your books <laughs> <laughs> thank you um if you look around in the in the book world or the tv world is there a story somewhere that you're like ah oh, i wish i would have written that not really um i i try not to compare myself to other writers um, or, or script writers. Um, if I wish I would have written that, then I just would have, you know. Um, yeah, so I, I try not to compare myself. And there are some brilliant other authors out there. Um, but um, I, I try to be my own writer and to, to, I just write the books that I want to read, you know. That's, that's how I started out as a writer, like writing for myself and the kind of stories I want to read because they weren't there when I was growing up. So, In your latest book, um, Eliza, she starts off thinking she's straight, but then uh -huh. she realizes she is bisexual. And then you have other characters you've written who are like pansexual or sexual. So how important do you think it is that authors try to include diversity in their books? It's very important to me personally. I can talk for other authors, but I mean, if I look at my own circle of friends, um, it's very diverse. Um, and it's not, not everyone is a lesbian and, um, I have straight friends, obviously I don't want to write about straight people. Um, but I have bisexual friends, pansexual friends, friends who prefer the term queer friends who do, who are like, I'm just myself. I don't need any labels and um, friends who are lesbians. So friends who are asexual, demisexual. So, and, and I think that's just our life is very diverse. Um, if we are lucky enough, it's very diverse. And, um, I want my books to reflect that kind of diversity because I think it's a beautiful thing 
And I think because everyone um, does, deserves and needs that kind of representation and positive representation in books. Um, and so that's what I try to write. So that's bringing me to one of my questions. Do you consume queer content or do you just create it? Oh, I, I, I of course also consume it. Um, there are phases when I'm just working on a, on a first draft of a book where I'm, I, I don't read, so I'm not accidentally copying anything that I read and I'm not influenced. And also because it just takes up all of my time to writing then. Um, but that's like two months or so where I'm really just in my writing cave and not doing a lot of other things. Um, but then if I'm in between books, I really catch up. Um, I always find it strange if, if a writer doesn't read or doesn't consume stories. I mean, there's other ways to consume stories um, because these stories, they, they kind of fill up the creative well. Um, and I'm, an, I'm still an avid reader. I still enjoy it. Um, and, and of course, I'm also a fan of movies and TV shows. And um, if there's a, a good show with a queer representation, then yeah, sooner or later I will watch it. So as the author of over 21 books, can you distill down in like the essence of what's important in a book that would actually make it either stand out or appeal to readers? What do you think needs to be in a book so that it actually says to the reader, oh, read me? Mm -hmm. To me, it's about the characters, especially if you write romance, your readers need to fall in love with the characters too. If the characters feel like two-dimensional and they, they are don't, not really real to the reader, um, then it's just a book. You read it, you enjoy it, but then you put it aside and you read the next one and you forget about it. I think what really stands out to me as a reader is like the characters that I keep thinking about them, even I close the book and I'm like, wow, they were just so great. Like, I would want to be friends with them and they're, they're a great fit. They help each other grow and they are even better together than they are by themselves. I think that makes, for me, that's the, the core ingredients of a great romance novel or of any great book. And um, is there a particular reason why romance is always a part of your book? I mean, it's not always a, a general fiction. Sometimes you go in supernatural, but there's always a love story. Mm -hmm. Is there a particular reason for that? Yeah. Um, first of all, it's what I what I enjoy uh, reading most. So it's what I'm writing too. And I think like this whole process of getting to know a new person and building that trust and opening up and falling in love. I think that's pretty much the most human experience um, that we can have and it, it reveals so much about the character um, and I mean I'm a psychologist um, I, I gave up the job eight years ago but I still have the education for psychologists and I enjoy um, getting to know people and I think that a romance allows me to 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 get these two characters to connect more than let's say um, a mystery novel where it's more about the external plot and not so much about the psychology. Would you ever consider writing a book which was open-ended, where you didn't actually have a happily ever after ending? 
No. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't do that to your readers ever. No. No, I, I, I mean, there can still be aspects. Um, I was just saying that to a, a writer I was mentoring um, because I felt like she, she tied it up. Um, everything was a little bit too perfect. And I think happy ending doesn't have to mean everything is perfect, but maybe they still have some, some problems with family members or in their jobs. But as a romance reader, I want to believe that no matter what life throws at these two people, they will face it together. And I want, that's for me a happy ending. It doesn't need to be like sugar-coated, everything is perfect, but um, life is too depressing. I mean, turn on the news, you know, there's enough depressing yeah. news on there. And so I want my readers to know every time they pick up one of my books, they will get that happy feeling in the end. And otherwise, it would be too depressing for me too. Could you name some of the people or uh, genre that influence your writing? Style-wise, I, I can't really name any writer who I'm like, okay, this is who I modeled myself after. There are people who I enjoy reading and that I admire because they consistently um, put out really good work where I'm like, okay, I know I can turn off that inner editor when I'm reading one of their books. But I don't really have writing heroes. Um, there's a lot of people on whose shoulders I stand um, because as queer women, they came before me and they made it possible for me to make a living as a writer and I'm grateful for them all. But there's not really one that stands out where I'm like, okay, this is my writing hero. I modeled myself after them, my career, my career or my style. Um, I try to just be myself. You wear multiple hats. So you're a writer, you're an editor, you also mentor for GCLS mm -hmm. and you translate as well. So how do you avoid burnout? How do you, do you, does it ever feel like it gets a bit too much? It, it is a lot and it takes up like, it's, it's like more than a full-time job. So um, I think if it wouldn't be my, if it would be like any normal job, it would be like not allowed by law to work that many hours. <laughs> <laughs> You know, that, that's what happens if you make your, your passion and your biggest hobby into your day job. Then it's it's hard to find a good life-work balance, especially during the pandemic when you don't really have to anywhere to go. Um, usually I take like a vacation um, during the winter where I'm like three weeks um, somewhere at the beach, at the ocean, and I go hiking, but I not this year, not last year. Um, so, yeah, it, it is a little bit of a struggle for me to to take time away. Um, and so I hope to finish the revisions for chemistry lessons and then to, to take some time off because, yeah, I, I don't want to end up with a burnout. But, yeah, I, I don't feel that, um, yeah, that I'm missing out on anything because, like, books, creating books and helping other people create books, it's, it's, it's a really huge part of my life. And... I don't feel like I'm missing life because it, this is this is really a big part of my life. Yeah. Was there a, a a trigger or something that made you choose eight years ago to say, okay, I'm quitting the day job and I'm doing this writing stuff full time and just taking a leap of faith? Mm -hmm. uh, it was more like a slow process um, because I'm more of a conservative person. I'm not like a huge risk taker, um, and you don't grow up thinking, oh, I'm going to be a writer one day. I always wanted to be one, but 
um, it wasn't really a lot of encouragement because like you have this mental image of like a starving artist and very few people actually are able to make a living um, writing and especially in such a small niche genre like writing WLW fiction um, is like maybe 20 people or so or maybe more like now with self-publishing but it's not really that many people who are able to do it so i was always very careful and thought oh, i don't know um and it was actually more um, a couple of really good and supportive friends who said like yeah you you should you should really take that step and um once i switched publishers and i joined ilva and um 2012 um, it was starting to look like okay maybe it actually isn't it isn't just like a pipe dream it's actually possible um, and then yeah I, I, I made plans and I, I put together like a financial cushion because there's no steady income as a writer um, it's not something that you should just leap into you really have to plan it and um, and think yeah what what if I have writer's block um, and then you have to pay your bills. So I, I made the decision really over a long time and very carefully. If you could go uh, back in time and rewrite one of your book, would you do it? And if so, which one? Would it be a different book too? <laughs> it, I think it would probably not change so much the story itself, but more like I, I, I try to improve my craft all the time, you know? Um, Even if it's just a little thing, if you stop learning, then you you are better off to stop writing, I think. Um, and if I reread old books, I'm still like, oh yeah, I really like these characters and oh, this story is really good and the scene is funny. Um, but you always see little things like, ah, you should have taken that adverb out here and oh, there's a comma missing here. And it's like at this point of my career, I, I republished all of my books in, in 2012. So all of the really bad mistakes I already got to take out, thank God. Um, yeah, but there's always like, a book is never done, you know, even when it's published, it's never really done. You, you could polish it forever. So um, maybe it's good that you don't get to do it. Um, and otherwise you would never start a new story and you would try to get the old ones even more perfect. Can we talk new books? So you have got chemistry lessons in the pipeline. Mm -hmm. Can you give us some sneak peeks and tell us when we maybe we can expect to read it? Mm -hmm. It's the first um, Friends to Lovers novel that I have ever written. Um, and I define Friends to Lovers as the characters already know each other when they meet. So it's not like they meet as strangers and then they become friends and then they fall in love, which is more like to me a slow burn romance. But these two characters, um, Regan and um, Kylie, They already know each other pretty well. They have been best friends since kindergarten and, and basically they grew up with each other. And so it's a very different story and they have this backstory with each other and all of their friends and their family members, they think, wow, you two, you would be perfect for each other. Um, but the two of them, they're like, oh no, we're just great friends. And um, they insist they have no chemistry, you know? Um, and so, to finally get their friends to shut up and stop bothering them about it. They, they agree, okay, we will go on three dates with each other and then we will prove there's no chemistry and then everyone will shut up. 
Um, but of course, it doesn't quite turn out that way. Um, and they, they start seeing each other in a new light. Yeah, it will be probably be out in, we are planning on August right now. Oh, nice. Back to school. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully back to some kind of normality as well, maybe. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you're German. Do you write your draft for your idea in German or in English? In English. Everything is in English. I don't even think in German when I'm writing. It, it wouldn't work. Like I said, translating is just something completely different. Um, all my research, all my character notes is all in English. Well, like, um, if you're sleeping and you have a dream and you're work, working up in the middle of the night, you already switch in English, like, just like that? Sometimes, yeah. Um, most of the times I don't really remember my dreams because I have aphantasia where you, I don't know if you heard about it, it's like you have a blind mind's eye, like you cannot create images in your head. Okay. Um, like, you know, when you're doing a relaxation um, technique and you're like, picture yourself at the beach. Um, I can't do it because I have no mental images. Is that making writing harder? Um, you would think so, but I mean, this is my normal. You know, like if you had to do it, probably it would be harder. But like, I have different strategies. Like I, <laughs> okay, this is funny. I cannot imagine um, how 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 a person's mind works. I think my brain would would explode. Like I always thought this is how everyone is. No one like counting sheep. This is just something people say. They're not actually seeing sheep, are they? And then I found out that yes, some people do. Like they envision their characters like with faces and everything and i'm like what <laughs> people can create images in their brains seriously and they're like yes i see this like a movie and i'm like what and i i cannot do it so um just how my brain is wired yeah, it's fascinating very <laughs> if you had to go for a vacation with your characters from your books which place would you go which place would you choose mm. It would have to be someone introverted. Um, maybe Danny, she's nice and quiet. Um, yeah, maybe I would take her and Eliza. Um, and if I need some alone time, I can send them off. <laughs> <laughs> because, of course, I would have to invite them as a couple. So I would take them some some place at the beach because I love the ocean. Like, I, I want to go back to Croatia. I spent every summer there um, as a teenager. Um, until the war broke out um, and I haven't been back since and I always wanted to go back so that's where I would take them. Is there um, a part that you prefer when you're writing? Editing, drafting or choosing the cover or whatever? Um, everything. Um, I, I pretty much enjoy everything even like the editing that most people like really hate. I, I really enjoy it. Um, the cover creation, not so much. That's too visual for me. I'm not the visual person. So I'm always glad if we have found a good cover and and that part is done, yeah. But uh, all the rest is really, really fun, yeah. What's the hardest thing you've had to research for your books? What's been difficult to research? Um, uh, for um, the roommate arrangement. Um, uh, uh, one character is a stand-up comedian. And I, I did so much and you think, oh, it's a fun job, you know, and, and you think it's easy. Um, 
but actually there's so much behind it and writing comedy is so hard and I had to write a bit of comedy because I show Steph on stage and she delivers part of her of her comedy routine so I had to write a, a little bit of it and it's really hard it's even if you're a writer it's it's not the same as writing a book so I always respected um, people who go on stage and, and, and bear themselves to make other people laugh. But after that, um, my respect was through the roof. And I think it is one of the hardest jobs, as you say. It's not easy. Yeah. And I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of also probably a bit of self-doubt as well, because you don't know if people are going to find things funny. It must be yeah. so hard to put yourself out there and hope that people yeah. actually laugh at your jokes. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of comedians, like a lot of writers, struggle with self-worth issues and depression and anxiety and um, yeah it's it's definitely um, not the easiest job to have. So how many books ahead do you plan? So if you've got chemistry lessons done have you already got the next book or the next couple of books? Um, I know the, the next one that I will write is um, a short story for the Oregon series um, because it's this year's it's the 170th anniversary of them arriving in Oregon um, and that's one of my most popular books. So I said, okay, I, I, yeah, I'm in the mood to, to revisit them and, and check in with them and maybe write a, a short story about the missing years in between the, the first book, Backwards Oregon, and the second novel, uh, Hidden Truths, and to show a little bit about how life treated them in the early years in Oregon. Um, and after that, um, I'm not 100% sure because I have so many, like at least five different books that I know I want to write and I'm not yet sure about, okay, will I go with this one first or with that one first? Um, yeah, I will see, but I always have at least five story ideas that I know I will write and um, I want to write um, a next book in my Shapeshifter series. I want to write um, a book about... Um, Dr. Lucy Hamilton Sharp um, from Shaking to the Core. She she needs her own book, um, and and there are at least five more story ideas. So, yeah, I, I, when when it's time to make a decision, I will see what I'm in the mood for. You write a couple of books set in the U.S. Mm -hmm. I remember one in Germany. Do you go to the place uh, you want to write about? Do you do research? Uh, how do you process for that kind of thing? And do you favor U.S. because it's a bigger market? Mm, okay. Um, I always try to go wherever I'm um, writing about, especially if it's a, a place where I've set um, more than one book. Um, so I've been to Portland, for example, where I, several of my books take place. And of course, Paper Love is set in my hometown. So I didn't have to do that much research because I know the city really well. Um, there, there were a couple books, like for, for example, I wrote Backwards to Oregon before I even set foot in the US. Um, plus it's historical fiction, so a lot of the places look very different not right now. But for example, for Shaken to the Core, um, which is set in, in San Francisco um, during the times of the um, great earthquakes and fires um, in 1906, um, I went to San Francisco and I went to all of the museums and I walked the hills and um, to to do as much research as possible um so i think it's always a plus if you can do it right now i can't so um it, it's you can do a lot of it online 
Um, and also what I'm always doing is I always look for local beta readers or if a character has a certain job um, or certain hobby that um, that is a huge part of the plot, I always make sure I have beta readers who can double check um, that I didn't make any mistakes um, so that it's as authentic and as realistic as I can make it. Um, and I mostly set my books in the US because I enjoy learning new things. Um, I always pick a topic and a character who isn't like basically me and um, because I enjoy, you know, like, wow, what's a comedian's life like? Or what, how, what is it to live with only one eye? How, how is that? Or um, what is it like to live with MS or things like that? And then I research and I do a lot of research, a lot more research than I would probably need um, to really step into the shoes of this character and to portray her as realistic as I can. And it's not so much that I don't enjoy books that are set in Germany, but it's more like, you know, the crest is always greener on the other side. And I, I want to write about things that that are new to me and that I can learn. And I'm, I'm a bit of a information chunky, I always say. And and I learn I learn something new with every book. Um, I had a like a ER doctor or <laughs> I learned about heart conditions and it's, that's really part of the fun for me. So setting books in the US is really, um, I always learn something new and I learn more than if I would set a book in Germany. So when you're writing, do you have an ideal writing environment that you create to mm -hmm. inspire you? Um, I can write pretty much everywhere, but um, to have a nice writing routine, I mostly write where you see right now in my office. Um, and um, this is the biggest room in, in my apartment. And so I have this, this huge L-shaped desk where I can spread out my notes and um, yeah, just leave everything and, and come back to it the next day. And, um, and I put on headphones. Um, sometimes I forget to put on music, but the headphones have to be there. Um, yeah, and then I start writing. Talking about hobbies, you love to collect stationery, you love to collect fountain pens. Can you show yep. us some of your favorites? Yeah, I <laughs> And um, this is actually like a yeah. nice combination of the book I just finished, uh, Chemistry Lessons, because the pen stand is actually a test tube holder that uh, right. chemists uh, use. Um, and yeah, this is just like a small sample of the pens I have inked up now. Oh What's the God. one with the yeah. transparent, um, the second one, that's got a transparent cover, isn't it? Oh, this one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that looks like a chemistry called... test tube experiment. <laughs> yeah. This one, like, you, you can see the ink inside. Right now mm. it has blue ink. It's fun if you edit with it and you put in a red ink, it's nice to scare the <laughs> <laughs> And do you, do, get, you do you have a different notebook for every uh, book that you write? Um, I, I use up about two or three notebooks for every book I write. Yeah, this is this is um, the one that oh, the cover is uh, yeah. the same for everyone. Um, I, I put uh, I don't know if you can see. Yeah, we can um, see. It. I I made uh, the layouts oh, cool. for okay. their apartments um, so that I'm not like putting one in the kitchen and and uh, describing the places wrong. 
That's great. Yeah. And a, a pen nerd question: Do you prefer a cartridge or um, how do you say it in English? Like the when you you pump the ink. It's called a piston filler. Um, piston filler. Okay. I I like both, but um, if I'm traveling, I I use the cartridge fillers um, because otherwise uh, traveling with ink is can be tricky. Otherwise, does traveling inspire your writing? Have you ever been to a place and thought, oh, I want to set a book in this place? Um, I do it the other way around. I think, oh, I I would like to go there, and then um, yeah, I can combine kind of. I always when I'm when I'm um, flying to the U.S. for example, I I combine like a writing conference with doing research and maybe visiting friends. So, yeah, yeah. But traveling is is definitely something I miss. Um, being at home is nice. I I'm not suffering like some other people do. I do pretty well. Um, I I live with a roommate, so it's not like I'm I'm getting bored at home. Um, but traveling is definitely. Um, something I'm looking forward to. Do you have any advice for new writers? I have a lot. Um, yeah, mostly I would say um, maybe three things. Um, first of all, um, writing is a craft and that is good news because it means you can learn it. Um, there are so many sources out there. There are books, there are blogs about writing. And so take the time before you publish a book and learn about all the essentials of the craft things like point of view and show don't tell like these are techniques that anyone can learn and your readers will be really grateful if you take the time to do it and then get some feedback um there are beta readers there are editors that you can send your draft to and then listen to what they are saying and and the real magic in writing is in the revisions not in the first draft um so to try to improve your writing skills with that feedback the third piece would be you have to find out what works for you. Um, some writing advice is pretty general and true for everyone, like learn the craft, that's true for everyone. But things like you shouldn't edit while you write. It's good advice for some people, but it doesn't work for others. Or are you a blotter or are you a pantser? Um, everyone has to find what process works for them. And that's for you can't really compare yourself to others. Um, some people are fast writers and they write 5,000 words every day. I wouldn't be able to do that. And so, yeah, find your process and don't compare yourself to others so much, but take the advice and take the feedback and, and then see what you can do with it. When you write your first, uh, your first draft, do you already share it with some people? Do you already ask pointers or do you wait to have something complete, then rework it? Um, I always share chapter by chapter. Um, I don't want to wait until the last chapter and then find out that the character isn't likable or something that is at the core of the book doesn't work. Um, I have a lot of beta readers, like usually I have per book around 10 or 12. It's a lot of feedback. Oh I would I would not advise other people, especially if you're a beginner, it's a lot, a lot of feedback. Um, but they all specialize in different areas and um, I find it all helpful. So I, I get a lot of feedback and um, I revise as I go. When I finish the first draft, it's it's really a lot more than a first draft. It's It's basically pretty polished already. So your books create always, you know, get great reviews. 
but my question is do you read your reviews and what happens how do you deal with a negative review i always read it um i think it's not good advice to to tell writers not to read their reviews if if a writer is sensitive and it really would um drive them into a deep depression or would destroy their entire week then have someone else read it um and and see what I read everything, I read especially the, the negative reviews, and I try to see if there's anything I can take from it. If it's just a review like, I don't like workplace romances and this was a workplace romance, okay, then obviously someone didn't read the blurb. Um, okay, there's nothing I can take from there. But if it's something like the ending felt rushed, then I go back and think, okay, um, is this like just one opinion and everyone else thought it was wonderful or is this more of a pattern and this is something I need to take into consideration for the next books. Um, there are readers who read hundreds of books every year, way more than I can read because I spent my time writing and they know a lot about writing, they know what they like and I think there's something to be learned from, from readers' feedback and if it's Constructive criticism, I, of course, I read it. It's very valuable. Yeah. And yeah, sometimes it, it goes under your skin. Um, there's some feedback that is not so con constructive and it, it might even be a little bit personal. I, I keep positive, um, really positive fan um, emails that um, really touched me. Um, and if I'm having a super bad day or I get uh, feedback that gets under my skin, I might open that folder and read some positive ones just to to balance it out a little bit. That's, I think it's a great strategy. Mm -hmm. Do you, does it get easier over time at all? Do you sort of distance yourself, can you distance yourself a bit more from the reviews over time or does it still feel as personal as in the first book? Um, if it ever doesn't feel personal, personal at all, I think then I mean, I care about these books and about these characters, um, but I think it gets a little bit easier over time to handle the criticism. I mean, it's not like I'm getting that much criticism. That sounds like I'm getting tons, but I think as time goes on, I, I've become better at like trusting in my skills and and just to, to getting better at sorting the feedback, what is really valid feedback and what is one opinion and everyone else thinks differently and what is something i can just dismiss as a, as really this is like a person obviously it wasn't a book for them and what is something i really should take care of um, in the future as a woman writer who write about women and in queer fiction uh did you often got like haters people who just review your book because of who you are or what you write, no matter what it is? Um, not a lot. Um, most of the feedback I, I get is really very positive. I recently got one feedback. I don't even know where she got my book. Sometimes I do promotions where I'm giving away a free book and I think maybe she got the book there. And um, she sent an email about what filth it is. And it, it wasn't erotic or anything like that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah, so it was obviously a homophobic background. It's just two women together, obviously, it must be filth. Um, well, oh my God. The, okay. these emails are very easy for me to dismiss. Like, they don't get under my skin at all. Like, nothing you can no, do about worth, people. Not who... worth spending the time worrying about. Yeah, Definitely not. And the um, irony of that is so many lesbic books are really good stories as well. So if you didn't have that bias in your mind, you could actually enjoy yeah. a really good story, yeah. but people don't always want to do that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them do. Um, I, I get feedback from straight readers who were like, wow, this is the first um, um, romance between two women I've read. And it's like, wow, it was really good. Can you can you re recommend some more? And um, thankfully, I have a feeling people are getting more open-minded, um, but not everyone. Oh, yeah. Uh, the this or that is just me uh, pitching two or three idea against uh, one and against another and you just pick the right one for you no explanation no nothing just fire question oh here okay <laughs> so this or that rapid fire question music silence music cocktail mocktail mocktail day night night friends family lovers friends and if i can explain because i my friends okay. are my are my chosen family okay socks or blankets blanket vanilla or chocolate chocolate femme butch can i say neither okay you can i don't really think in labels i mean i mean not for myself and some of my characters maybe but mostly people are people spice or mild spice Theater or cinema? Cinema. Club, bar or restaurant? Restaurant. Hurley bird or night hall? Night hall. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Thank you very much for today, Jay. It was lovely talking to you. To you too. Do you have any parting words for our readers? Yeah. Uh, thank you to everyone for reading my books and I hope you all make it through the rest of the pandemic and you stay healthy.